0: It's the Firm Foundation Media Podcast. Good morning and welcome to episode 7 of the Magic Time Podcast. I'm Scott Squires and very pleased to be joined once again by the head coach of the Moncton Magic, Joe Salerno. Now Joe, uh, welcome to the program. Nice to have you back with us again.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It surprises me. This is the 7th time we've we've done this. I didn't know it had been that many, but uh, <laughs> it's great, happy to be
0: here. Who would have thought you could put up with me for for one episode, let alone seven?
1: Well, that was my thought, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And a very happy New Year to you, uh, your family, and of course, uh, all the members of the team, being that this is the first podcast of the New Year. Yeah, you as well. Thank you very kindly. So, Lots to get to, but uh breaking news coming out of the Moncton Magic camp this morning, uh the team making a roster move, uh signing Jason Kalist. Uh Jason, a veteran player who has had time uh in the NBL previously as well as internationally. Uh what does this 6 foot 2 guard bring to the league and bring to the Magic?
1: Well, I think he he brings another impact player. Um you know, on the, the Canadian side of things, uh, Jason, you know, played at a very high level, played at the University of Oregon, which is, you know, really becoming one of the, the powerhouses in Division One basketball, the NCAA, you know, and also spent some time with the, the main Red Claws in the NBA uh, G League. So he, he brings a lot of experience. Um, he brings a lot of perimeter shooting, which was really kind of the, the big reason for, for signing him and, and bringing him on board. Um, that's something we've, we've just been struggling with this season and um, you know Jason is, is as consistent of a three point shooter as, as you're going to find so uh, again just a guy who I felt we could we could bring in and, and add some more depth to our bench um, you know a guy who can, can make an immediate impact uh, as soon as he gets here
0: What's the genesis of bringing in a player like Jason I mean obviously Coach you're, you're the main guy when it comes to personnel and roster moves but uh, kind of when did Jason kind of hit your radar and, and when did you think that you might be able to uh, to make a move to bring him in?
1: Well, we had actually made a trade um, in the preseason just before a couple weeks before training camp started to obtain Jason Colise's rights. Uh, he had played, he'd finished the season with Kitchener Waterloo, uh, the Titans last season and uh, they had protected him and uh, we ended up making a trade to get those rights. We sent uh, Russell Bird. In uh, a second-round draft pick to Kitchener-Waterloo for the rights to Khalees. You know, I'd obviously known in the back of my mind when we made that move there was the potential Khalees would be signing in, in Europe, uh, which he did. He signed in Spain. Um, but, you know, things happen every season to, to players, and, you know, I wanted to have his rights. So he's been on my radar for a while, and, um, you know, unfortunately things didn't work out for him in Spain. Um, but, you know, to our benefit, we were able to, to get a deal done and, and eventually, you know, end up bringing him here to Moncton Uh, which is something I wanted to do, you know, three months ago.
0: Now, besides the obvious, anytime you're looking at a player, you know, you can look at their stats, you can look at game film, uh, you probably, obviously would have seen him from his time in the NBL, but beyond that, what do you know about this player and how familiar are you with Jason?
1: I'm pretty familiar with him, um, he's extremely competitive, you know, he's, he's a, he's a tough guy, he's a, he's a very tough, uh, guard, you know, um. You know, and, and, again, I think his IQ is something that may be overlooked at times. I mean, people, when they talk about Jason, they just talk about his ability to, to shoot the three. Uh, but he's a very well-rounded player. He, he really has a high understanding of the game. Um, and, and to me, I mean, that, that can just be an immediate impact as well. It makes for such an easier transition, you know, when you're bringing in a player who has multiple years of professional experience um, and is going to be able to pick up systems fairly quickly. So, you know, those are all reasons, again, why we wanted to, to make this move. Um, and I think, again, it's going to pay off dividends for us uh, in the long run.
0: Yeah, and just, uh, you know, for fans that maybe aren't overly familiar, uh, you know, he is from Scarborough, Ontario, a veteran. He's not a young guy. He's young compared to me, coach, but 27 years and, and old. And me. 27 years old, so he's got some experience And you talk about the well-rounded game Just looking at some of his numbers internationally He had a game-high 28 points Uh, He's had as many as 11 rebounds, 9 assists, 4 steals So as you said, going to bring a lot of different things to the team I know it's going to take him a little while to kind of uh, get acclimated to Moncton to the team But how do you see him fitting into the Magic Offense?
1: well, I think he's another guy that spaces the floor for us. Um, You know, we have not been shooting the basketball that well from the perimeter this season. And, you know, not only has that been hurting us on the scoreboard and our our offensive output, but also, I mean, teams now, you're playing teams for a second or third time, you know, especially, of course, teams in your conference anyway. And, I mean, there's there's scouting reports out, and, and a team that doesn't shoot the basketball extremely well from three, you know, teams are starting to pack in defenses, and it's making it that much more difficult to get to the rim and you know, Jason's a guy that, that a lot of people in this league know, they're familiar with, and they understand, you know, that he is a serious threat. So he's going to open up the floor from us, you know, for us a, a little bit more offensively. Um, and then again, we're, we've we been looking to try to shoot the basketball with more consistency from three, and, and I think Jason, you know, he's done that everywhere he's ever played. So I think he's going to fit in very well. And, and of course, from the defensive standpoint, um, he's, a, he's an extremely competitive guy. He's pretty fiery. Um, you know, and, and he wants to win games, so I think he's going to do whatever it takes to, to defend on our end. And having that high basketball IQ, I don't think it will take him that long to, to pick up our defensive schemes. And um, so, again, I think he's a guy who could probably make an impact, you know, within his first couple games for us.
0: Now, of course, uh, we're going to get to your game tomorrow night uh, in just a little bit, but how quickly can you see Jason uh, getting into some game action for the Magic?
1: Well, he arrives tonight, um, you know, so he'll be able to get. You know, get in a walkthrough with us tomorrow, and and I uh, will probably do a little film breakdown tomorrow after shoot around as well. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to to see him get a few minutes tomorrow night. You know, the whole reason for bringing him in now was to to get him some experience with the team, to meet the guys. I think getting that experience of a of a shoot around tomorrow, being in a, in the pregame, you know, being on the bench during the game, and then of course the post game, it's going to put us that much further ahead uh, for, you know, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games in Ontario. So, you know, I, I think it could see a few minutes tomorrow night. Um, uh, it'll certainly see minutes this weekend when we head out, um, uh, to Windsor, London and
0: Niagara. And, and my gosh, coach, uh, I mean, he's going to have to get time to get used to myself, and my broadcast partner, David, because I think that's probably going to be the biggest shock to his system of all of me us.
1: Well, I think it will take longer for him to adjust to U2 than it will for our <laughs> offensive and defensive
0: teams, for sure. <laughs> I I appreciate your candor. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get back now and, and thank you for that. And, and it's great to have uh, Jason on the team. Look forward to seeing him. In another nice addition uh, for you and the Magic. And uh, speaking of nice, uh, a nice game the other night. Your first home game of 2018. Uh, against a team that can uh, give a lot of problems to almost any opponent. The Windsor Express, it ended up being a 101-89 victory for the Magic. Uh, maybe just your thoughts and some takeaways from that game, Coach.
1: Well, it was it was a, a win we certainly needed to get. You know, we were on a, a three-game slide, um, you know, during that, that three-game losing streak. I mean, we, we had lost two very tight games and then played pretty poorly um, at St. John, so for us to kind of bounce back and, and get a win in the nature that we did where I think we played, you know, we, we, we almost played a complete game. We played pretty well. Uh, we certainly played well defensively, uh, a couple lapses offensively, but, but again, we're continuing to improve there. So, uh, you know, the win was good, but I think uh, the nature of which we got that win, um, playing pretty consistently, having everybody contribute, you know, that was the kind of most important thing from that game with Windsor.
0: And taking a look, uh, you know, down the stat line, uh, it's not that anybody, you talk about a complete game, nobody really ran away with it from an offensive standpoint. A lot of times when you see a win, a team, a player will, you know, have 30, 35 points and and really kind of take the team on their shoulders. A complete win indeed. I mean, if you look down the stat line, Brent Jennings with 21, um, 16 from Terry Thomas, 14 from Anthony Anderson. So the scoring was really spread around. Is that kind of the way you would rather see it than one or two guys leading the way? You, would you rather see that kind of spread out offense and everybody contributing on the offensive side?
1: Oh well, yeah, of course. I mean, I think you're, you're that much more difficult to defend um, You know, when there's multiple guys uh, being a scoring threat for that game. You know, Jeremy Williams was, was another guy who had a, had a great game for us against Windsor. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, if if two guys really have it going on, you know, if Terry and Double-A and are really scoring, you know, that night and knocking down shots or, or Corey Allman, you know, we're going to find them ways to get them to the basketball. Um, and that's the other thing that, that's with this group. I've said it all along. It's a pretty unselfish group, you know. So if a guy has a hot hand that night and he's going to go for 30 or 35, it's going to help us get a win. You know, you won't hear anything from anybody on our team. You know, we're just focused on getting that win. So... Um, but I, I did enjoy the, the the basketball being spread out, a lot of scoring from a lot of different guys, uh, which was good. I and mean, to me, that tells us that you know, we're taking a step in the right direction offensively.
0: Well, you know what? And you're absolutely right when you talk about the great game that uh, Jeremy Williams or Jay Will had. And it was interesting. You talk about that unselfishness and that kind of togetherness that this team has. Brent Jennings was named the magic player of the game and did the post-game interview with David Tingley afterwards. But... When he was coming over, he was like, no, no, he goes, Jason Williams, give that to J. Will. He should have been. So it's very apparent that this team is a very tight-knit group and there is that level of unselfishness. What is that going to mean to this team going down the stretch? I mean, we're almost at the halfway point now.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's also something we we are continuing to work on, you know. And through that that three-game slide, you know, everything, it's very easy to you know, be a great team and have each other's back when things are going well and you're winning games. Um, you know, there were some frustrations, you know, through that three game slide. And we have talked a lot about, Hey, you know, we have been a, a tight knit group and, um, you know, let, let's just continue to support each other and show each other respect. And, and, uh, that was something we talked about a lot before that Windsor game. And I think it helped us. I think it helped everyone's mentality out there on the court. And, and, um, you know, we're going to continue to work on that on a daily basis. Um, Because I think it is an unselfish group, and we just have to understand that there's going to be ups and downs throughout this season. When you look at every team's record throughout the league, uh, you're know you going to win and lose games. So I think it is important we continue to to have each other's back and and just play to win and just be concerned about that.
0: Now, it certainly is a team game, and you need everybody rowing the boat the same way, but in that game the other night against Windsor, uh, we commented in the broadcast, and I certainly, in my opinion, felt that uh, it was the most comfortable that Brent Jennings had looked, but another player that I really thought seemed to have his best game from a comfort level, a confidence level on both sides, offensively and defensively, was Marquise Clayton. Maybe just a couple of comments about Brent and, and about Marquise, and in particular their performances in that game versus Windsor.
1: Yeah, well, BJ was good, and, and, and BJ, you know, was a big part of that game plan. Him and Jeremy Williams were. Uh, as far as kind of, you know, taking advantage of what we felt was a mismatch, you know, with Logan Stutz, where we thought we had an advantage uh, on the offensive end where, where B.J. and Jay Will could maybe take him off the dribble or, you know, just put pressure on him. And, and uh, Brent did a great job, you know, executing that. And, um, you know, Marquise Clayton, you know, I've been saying it all year, he's going to kind of be a work in progress. I think he is a guy that can definitely play in this league and be productive. Um And he showed that, you know, he showed that that game. You know, that was the most minutes he had played in a game this season. I think he played 23 minutes, you know, and he only had one turnover. And that's something Marquise has been working on, just making better decisions with the basketball as he adjusts to the speed and physicality of the NBL Canada. Um, We wanted Marquise on the floor for defensive purposes, you know, against Maurice Jones, which was a matchup we liked, and, and he did a great job on him. You know, so it was nice to see him also, you know, be better on the offensive side of the ball. And, and he did a great job, so it was a, it was a great you know it was a big step in the right direction for Marquise, and uh, I think it gave him more confidence, and I think it gave the coaching staff more confidence that uh, you know he is getting better, and, and he's someone we're going to be able to to get more minutes to.
0: Well, he's uh, he's a a great young man. He's got a great smile. And I was chatting with him before the game uh, the other night, and I asked him. I said, you know, he's from Halifax. I said, you must like donair. He said, oh yeah. I said, I love donair. So I think coach, the next time you guys have a trip to Halifax, I might have to come up and see if I can get uh, maybe Marquise and a couple of the other guys out, you included, and uh, maybe we'll, we'll have a Donair trip.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure Marquise could, could show you around and, <laughs> and show you the best spots in Halifax
0: for, uh, for a Donair. So we talked about those two players, and you've talked about some of the other guys. Maybe just quickly, as we are getting now close to the halfway point of the season, do you know, just from a coaching perspective and a personnel perspective, uh, you know, what's your level of satisfaction with where the team is at almost the midway point of the season?
1: No, I'm not. I'm not overly happy with with where we're at from a, a wins and loss standpoint. Um, I think we've we have lost a lot of close games, you know, and, and those are games where we maybe didn't execute in the final 90 seconds or 30 seconds. Um, where I think our record could be different. I am, however, happy with the the steps we've taken in the last week week and a half, um, and I think we saw you know the benefits of that, you know, in, in the Windsor game. So. You know, we're almost at the halfway point. We're actually going to be exactly at the halfway point after this this very tough trip out to Ontario. So, you know, we're going to see where we're at. Um, I think we're moving in the right direction. I think the old cliche of it's, you know, it's a it's a marathon and, and, and not a sprint. I mean, it's very true when it comes to this league and it comes to the parity of this league. So we're just going to continue to stay positive. You know, we want to try to close out some of these tight games that we've had, um, you know, over the next seven or eight try to improve in that area Um, but again I like where we're at and uh, you know we're just again trying to get better and
0: continue to improve game by game and speaking of game by game the game the other night uh, was a game that was played in a pretty significant storm I mean uh, old school folks like me call it a nor'easter more of the millennials they've cyclone bomb weather bomb whatever you want to call it it was a pretty nasty night and I think a lot of us were wondering, you know, what kind of crowd would show up, but we were all very pleasantly surprised at just how many fans made it out. Maybe just a comment on the fan support, and in particular, those fans who braved the elements to come out and watch a pretty good performance the other night.
1: Yeah, I was surprised as well as to how many people actually did make it out, I mean, leading up to that game. You know, the road conditions were were very poor, and I don't think anybody really knew if the storm was going to get worse or get any better. So, you know, people were kind of really rolling the dice uh, driving out to the Coliseum, and uh, we have such a great, uh, you know, uh, fan base. There's a base of fans that have been supportive of basketball here in, in Moncton over, really, I mean, the last six, several seasons. You know, people that are very excited about this team this year. So I could have told you... I could have probably named 30 or 40, 50 people that I knew were going to be there that night no matter what the conditions were. And, and that means a lot. That means a lot to the players. Um, there would obviously have been talks about, you know, wow, this is going to be a, a small fan base tonight. There's not going to be people in the stands. The guys were kind of mentioning it. And, and I heard a lot of positive comments like, wow, you know, I can't believe this many people actually came out for this game tonight. And, you know, I think that just it, it shows support for the guys. They recognize that support and, and they wanted to play well. And um, that is something you know, we don't take for granted, and guys really do appreciate, you know, the fact when people come out and, and take in our games, so it was, uh, it was great to, to have some people there, and, you know, the small group of people that were there, they certainly were loud and supportive, and, uh, you know, that can always make a
0: difference, you know, when you're playing at home. And it's important as well, because it does mean a lot to the players, but the players also give back to the community, and, You know, if you follow along with the Moncton Magic on their website or on their social media, the team are involved in a lot of different events out in the community. It's not just fans coming to the Coliseum. The team actually gets out and participates in different events around the community, whether it's something at a school or or another event. Maybe just your thoughts on how important that is and, and how much the team enjoys that kind of interaction, getting out into the community.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously an important piece you know, especially in a league where there are some, some smaller markets um, to really engage and, and kind of embed yourself in a community um, is extremely important. And, and that helps grow that fan base and, and get, you know, kind of show people that you are giving back to the community. It's a great experience for kids, especially um, well, not just kids, adults, uh, everybody to, you know, get to know some of our players. A lot of our players are from, from much, you know, many different places, different than Moncton, they're from different backgrounds and um, you know I think it gives people the opportunity to to just get a, a little bit of a different culture and, and um, you know I think that's something I know our guys don't take for granted they know how important it is for for kids especially in the community to, to be able to look up to them and, and get to meet them And you know we've visited quite a few schools here um, so far this season you know we we're at uh, Hands On Learning which is a daycare facility a week or so ago um, we've been doing some stuff with the YMCA with the youth basketball group there, and it's just been a, a you know a, a piece of what we're trying to do here. And I think we're going to continue to, to look to expand, prove on our community piece in the second half of the season. You know, once our schedule kind of slows down a little bit, which it does after this Ontario trip. Uh, but it's something important, and, and our guys do a great job when they are out in the community.
0: Yeah, I would definitely encourage folks if you're not already uh, follow the Magic, the Moncton Magic on Facebook. Instagram and Twitter, there's, uh, you mentioned the Hands-On Learning Center, there's a great picture there on uh, the social media site, and I'm looking at the Facebook one, but with some of the players, with these beaming-faced kids, and I know being a little, when I was a little kid myself, having that opportunity to be around any athlete, but in particular pro athletes, is really neat, so that's certainly good on you and the Magic, and I know that it means a lot to the community. Uh, Let's move on now. Of course, tomorrow night uh, another game against an Ontario foe. Of course, you've got that big Ontario road trip coming up. But uh, the second time now in two consecutive games, you're getting to play a team from the other conference. Uh, Your thoughts on a very tough and talented Niagara River Lions team?
1: Yeah, they are. They're they're extremely talented. Um, They're extremely explosive offensively. You know, I mean, they put up 132 points. You know, in a loss the other night to uh, to London. this will be a true, true test for us defensively. Um, to, to really see again are are we as good defensively as, as we think we are. They have so many shooters uh, from the perimeter which which just makes it so difficult to, to defend uh, when they space the floor out in the nature that they do and, and to go along with that, you know, they have one of the best big men in the league, true big men in Sam Muldrow, a guy who's just, you know, can score inside. He can score outside. He's shooting forty percent from the three point line this season. Just such a, a tough guard, and when you surround him with shooters like Omar Strong and, and Connor Wood and and some of these guys, it makes it a tough team to guard. Um, to go along with all of those weapons and all of those role players, they also had, in my opinion, maybe one of the best offensive players, true scores in the league, in, in Marvell Wade, who's um, a very tough matchup. You know, he's 6'9", he has the nickname, you know, the Canadian KD, the Canadian Kevin Durant, they call him, he has a a very similar game um, to Durant, and he's a tough guard, he's been been great all season long, so we will absolutely have our hands full uh, tomorrow night.
0: Well, we would encourage fans to get out to the Coliseum, take in that game, the Magic are starting to heat up, and... That should definitely be a good matchup tomorrow, and and those two players in particular that you mentioned, Muldrow and Waith, going to be fun to watch them as well, as well as the rest of the River Lions. And I know, Coach, from talking to you previously, you never like to look uh, past your game that's right in front of you. But maybe just a couple of thoughts on your preparation and what your, you know kind of getting the guys ready for for that relatively long road trip uh, into Ontario where you're going to play um, the Windsor Express again, and uh, you're going to get to play Niagara, and you're also going to see probably the hottest team in the league, the London Lightning.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's a a lot to prepare for. Um, You know, this is where a lot of the -the behind-the-scenes stuff that maybe fans, you know, don't see, you know, where it's so important, your your coaching staff... um, you know, it just kind of is working. Is working. I mean, I left the office at about 11 p.m. last night. It'll probably be similar to tonight because, you know, you want your players focusing on on the next opponent and, and that game plan. But at the meantime, you have to be, you know, preparing film and and, and kind of breaking down your next opponents. Uh, I mean, we fly out Thursday. Um, you know, heading to Windsor. We play them Friday, London Saturday, and then Niagara Sunday afternoon. So. You really have to. You're not going to have much time on the court, you know, to, to walk through things. So you really have to rely on, on film breakdown. Um, you have to rely on, on on taking care of your body and, and resting and making sure you're eating the right way. And you know, these are all things that we'll put a, a very big emphasis on um, during this road trip. And you know, of, of course, a lot of times it's going to come down to, to just kind of having a, a gut check and and, and really kind of digging deep. You know, you're going to be tired. You know. Uh, you're going to be wary from the travel, and but every team goes through it, um, and it's huge when you can go out of conference and get wins on the road because they're just so difficult to get, you know. So if you can go out there and pull out, you know, one, two, three wins, you know, your, your Atlantic Division opponents then have to go and match you. You know, they have to go and get those wins on the road, or or you gain a win on them. So uh, it's a big trip for us, and um, it's certainly going to be a, a true character test and.
0: Kind of really see where we're at. Yeah, you get that run through Ontario, then uh, back into Atlantic Canada for a game at Cape Breton. Fans, uh, tomorrow night will be your last chance to see the Magic at home until January 24th when they come back off the road trip and we'll play the Island Storm. And before I let you go, Coach, uh, I'm just wondering, you know, of course I follow you on social media and I see some of your posts. Uh, How are you enjoying being a hockey dad?
1: (laughs) I love it. I, I, I absolutely love it. You know, there's never um, nobody in my family, uh, you know, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts. I mean, no one ever played hockey. Um, my son Camden is seven now. He's in his third year of hockey. He's, you know, he, he loves it. And for me, it's, I played so many sports growing up, but I never played hockey. So when I get to go and, and sit and watch a practice, uh, it's just a whole new world for me. I just find it so intriguing to watch the coaches and, and watch the drills they're doing and, and kind of see how they teach kids to play hockey. And, um, you know, I think watching you know one of your children do anything that they're passionate about is, is a very rewarding experience. You know, for me, I'm just kind of lucky enough that it happens to be in sports. You know, and it's a sport I never played, so I, I get to learn something brand new. And even at 7 a.m. on Saturday mornings, you know, it's <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind of a drag getting there, but once I'm there, I'm I'm just an heaven, and I kind of just love sitting there and watching him and. And, uh, it's great, man. I absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, from about September till uh, June, 90% of the commercials on Canadian television seem to revolve around uh, parents and early morning practices. So now when you see those ads uh, on TV, Coach, you, you can relate more now.
1: Oh, I can definitely relate. <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can definitely relate to those, uh, those ads for sure.
0: And maybe just final thing on that. Coaches love to pick the brains of other coaches in their sport. But sometimes you can pick up things from other sports. You know, you said growing up you were, weren't exposed to hockey. You played lots of other sports, but hockey wasn't one of them. Spending a little bit of time now around hockey and that mentality and the coaching, has there been any maybe little nuances from the hockey coaching realm that you've been able to maybe cross over into basketball?
1: Um. You know, it's it's difficult because my my son is he's seven. <laughs> you, know, he, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, his head coach is actually the principal of his elementary school too, and, and I think it's absolutely outstanding. Um, you know, these parents and these fathers of children that that you know make the commitment to teach the game to, to kids, and, and my son's coach does a great job. And you know, but as far as kind of making comparisons, they they certainly communicate a different way <laughs> to their players than I may. Uh, to mine, and um, so you know, I don't know if I've really picked things up. I've certainly enjoyed watching some drill work and, and kind of watching, you know, how they're teaching, trying to teach spacing, you know, to the kids on the ice because spacing is such a big thing in basketball. And um, so that that's been really fun. But on that note, you know, I watched I watched
0: the NCAA Division One National College Football Championship last night. Wow, what a Alabama. game! Alabama,
1: um, and the the move that Nick Saban made you know, starting a freshman quarterback, you know, in the second half of that game with his team trailing 20 to seven, you know, he pulled a a senior quarterback that was 25 and two as a starter. And he, and he just knew in his gut that that was the right move to make and it paid off huge dividends. And I I mean, even that taught me something as a coach that you, you have to trust your instincts. You know, Nick Saban's a guy that's done this forever and he's won now six national championships and he wasn't going to let anybody else's thoughts or, or what people may think of his move influence what he did. He just felt it in his gut, and it was his decision. And he made that move with confidence. And uh, I mean, I learned something right there at, at one a.m. last night <laughs> on my couch in my living
0: room. <laughs> yeah,
1: so, um, you can certainly learn from from different coaches and different sports all the time.
0: Well, it's interesting. You know, I saw several comments, but one that kind of stuck out. Uh, a journalist on Twitter said that that move that Saban made that you're talking about could go down as being one of the most iconic moves ever made in a championship game of any level of any caliber.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that that was just, it was mind-boggling. I actually just got back from the office when the second half was starting last night, and uh, I really couldn't believe what I was seeing. And, you know, maybe not for Nick Saban, because he's, you know, he's the best, probably best college football coach in, in history. But, I mean, that's the type of decision that can cost coaches their job if it doesn't pan out. And, you know, he just had no hesitation. And um, it was really interesting listening to him talk about that in the post game that, hey, you know, our passing game was slow and, and he felt this freshman quarterback was better in, in that style of play. And he made that decision and he stuck with it and, uh, you know, won them a national championship game. So, really impressive stuff and, and really kind of cool to watch.
0: No one ever said coaching was easy, right?
1: I haven't met him yet. I haven't met the person that has has said that. And and if they, if I did, I'd probably tell them they were wrong.
0: Last thing, last, last thing. I always like to say last thing just to keep you hanging on the line, but when's the bow tie coming out, coach?
1: I'm not sure. You know, it's funny. um, (laughs) That last game against Windsor in, I don't know, roughly 13 years of coaching at all different levels. I've never coached a game that I did not wear a, a necktie or a bow tie. And, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I did not wear a tie. I did,
0: Um, actually. I did notice that.
1: Yeah, for the very first time ever. Um, And I think it was probably a combination of things. I didn't like the four ties that I had brought to the dressing room. (laughs) (laughs) I just just said, this isn't going to work, and it didn't feel right. Um, And then part of me also said, you know what, a few years back, we were on a little bit of of a a slide, and I broke out this bow tie for the first time ever. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break out the no tie for the first time ever, and, and it got a win. So um, I'm not sure when the bow tie's coming, but you may see the, the no tie again very soon.
0: I was going to say, if if covering sports, as long as I have, has taught me anything about superstition, I would very much expect to see you no tie tomorrow night against Niagara.
1: Your expectations would would probably
0: be right, Scott. Well, listen, Coach, always a pleasure. Can't thank you enough for taking the time to chat with us, and I know that it means a lot to uh, the fans of the Moncton Magic as well to be able to present this podcast to them and give them a little bit of insight of what goes on uh, in the mind of the coach of the Moncton Magic. We wish you lots of luck tomorrow night, and we look forward to seeing you uh, tomorrow evening for that game against Niagara.
1: Okay, great. Thanks a lot, Scott.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. That's Coach Joe Salerno of the Moncton Magic. Once again, want to remind you that they are at home at the Moncton Coliseum tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Atlantic Time. And if you can't make it out to the Coliseum, you can certainly go to the Moncton Magic website and get the link to watch it online. I'm Scott Squires, and this has been the Magic Time Podcast. We'll see you next time. It's the Firm Foundation Media Podcast.